gonna preach a short message tonight. I know some of you guys are like, <laughs> yeah, right, Jackson. But I really am. I'm gonna preach a shorter message tonight. I timed it. We're gonna do it. Um, but I will say, I had the, I had the, the weirdest time putting this message together. Like, normally for Pack the House events like this, what I'll do is um, I'll actually go back into my hard drive. I've got a hard drive full of every single message I've ever written or ever preached. And so I'll go back, and sometimes I'll look back at old messages, and I'll see if the Lord highlights an old message that I can kind of like take the meat from and, and freshen up and then give us a message at Pack the House. And no, nobody knows it's recycled, but I do. But I like to do this at Pack the House. And so on Monday, I came into my office, and I all day spent time in the Word, spent time in Scripture, and spent time in my heart drive trying to find an old message to recycle. Went through all of Monday. I got nothing. I came to work on Tuesday, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to find it today. I had like three messages that I really liked, and I was trying to figure out which one the Lord was leading me to preach. And I felt like I was hitting a physical brick wall in my office. Like I could not, I could not figure out which one the Lord wanted me to, to preach. And so I find myself coming back to my office after lunch. Now, normally by this point in my, my week, I've got like 75% of my message written. And I come back from lunch yesterday, and I had nothing. I had nothing. I was like, Lord, what is going on? I am faithfully, I'm not like being lazy. I am faithfully seeking your face and I got nothing. All I had was like five passages of scripture that I was in and just a burden to preach Jesus. Like that was it, like just Jesus. And I was like, really? Just Jesus? But that's what I'm going to do tonight. I want to talk about just Jesus. Because the reality is what I want to do tonight is I want to lead us to ask the question honestly in our heart, is Jesus enough? If you're taking notes, write this down. Is Jesus enough? That's what we're going to ask tonight. Um, but it's going to take some honesty on your part. So can we all be honest in the room tonight? You don't, you're not going to have to be honest to me, but honest to yourself and to the Lord. Because we're going to ask this question, is Jesus enough? Like if everything else was stripped away from my life, would I be okay? I want you to know that you would be, but do you know that? And so we're going to ask that question tonight. So if you want to turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to be starting in uh, verse 26, and then we're actually going to go into um, chapter 2. So if you got your Bible, any physical Bibles tonight? Let's go. Any note takers? Where are my note takers at? Let's go. All right. We're going to read a lot of scripture. Are you all okay with a lot of scripture? I'm going to be reading. I normally preach only from the ESV. It's my favorite translation. Um, but it was pretty thick. This passage of scripture in ESV was pretty thick. And I don't have time to like totally go crazy in this passage. So I'm going to read the message translation to you. Does anybody like the message? I love the message. Let's read it. Here's what it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. This is Paul talking. Here's what he says. He says, so where can you find someone truly wise, truly educated, truly intelligent in this day and age? Hasn't God exposed it all as pretentious nonsense? Since the world and all of its fancy wisdom never had a clue when it came to knowing God, God in his wisdom took delight in using what the world considered stupid preaching of all things to bring those who trust in him to the way of salvation. Paul is saying right here, God doesn't use man-made wisdom to bring people to salvation. God uses messages that the world says is dumb and doesn't make sense and is not for me today. God uses those to bring people to Jesus. Are you tracking with me? Okay, let's continue. 
While Jews clamor for miraculous demonstrations and Greeks go for philosophical wisdom, we go right on proclaiming Christ the crucified. Jews treat this like an anti-miracle. Greeks pass it on as absurd. But to us who are personally called by God himself, anybody personally called by God himself tonight? Let's go. For us, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's ultimate miracle, amen, and wisdom all wrapped up in one. Human wisdom is so cheap, so impotent, next to the seeming absurdity of God, human strength can't begin to compete with God's weakness. Somebody say amen to that. Paul is preaching right now. I got five more verses. Can you hang in with me? And then we're gonna pray. You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, Uh, To let you in on God's sheer genius, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus, who he is. Then, Jesus, what he did. Jesus crucified. I was unsure about how to go about this and felt totally inadequate. I was scared to death, if you want the truth of it. And so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else, but the message came through anyway. God's spirit and God's power did it, which made it clear that your life of faith is not a response or is a response to God's power, not some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. Whew, that's a thick passage. Y'all ready to get into this tonight? Okay, before we do, let's say a quick prayer, real quick prayer, and then we're gonna get into the word. Father, Would you reveal Jesus to us tonight? I lift up every single student to you, every single leader, every single heart. And God, I pray that song that we just sang, Christ be magnified on the altar of my life. Christ be magnified. Jesus, at the end of the day, everything in this world fades away, but you never change. You stay the same You are eternal. And so, God, would you reveal to us that side of you tonight, that you are the best thing. You are are worth it all. And we we surrender it all to you tonight. And I pray that as we surrender, we would find you in a new way. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Okay, so we've been in an Advent series the last three weeks. Who's been enjoying Advent? It's been awesome. It's been really good. And um, we've we've been discovering what it means to wait well. And we discovered that when you wait well, you, you find yourself in a place where you're able to find Jesus. Now, when Jesus first came into the world as a baby, how many of you know not everybody knew that that was Jesus, the Son of God? A lot of people didn't know that was Jesus. They weren't ready for his first coming, but a few people were. A few people were ready, and they were submitted to God. Those people who knew who Jesus was, they were submitted to his word, and they were led by his spirit, his voice, the Holy Spirit, And because they had those two things working for them, they were able to recognize the miracle in the room that nobody else saw. Does anybody else want to recognize Jesus in their life? I know I do, right? So that's what we've been focusing on. Those people who found Jesus, they were doing these two things. And we, in the same way, are trying to learn how to wait well because, this is something we've said a lot in this last series, Jesus is coming back like really coming back, physically coming back. Jesus is coming back. And some of us have this thought when we hear that phrase, Jesus is coming back. I say some of us because I was some of us at one point in my life. We say, man, I can't wait for Jesus to come back until I fill in the blank. Have you ever had that thought before? 
Like Jesus, man, it's going to be so awesome when you come back, but hold on, I want to go skydiving first. Or like, hold on, I want to get my black belt in karate first. Like, please don't come back before I get my black belt in karate. Or we've all thought this before, like, please don't come back until I get married. Like, I just want to get married and have my own family. Like, Jesus, don't come back until then. And that's funny, but I want to just, and I want to just analyze that statement for a second. What we're saying is, Jesus, I don't want you to come back until I've experienced what life has to offer. But let me remind you that the moment when Jesus returns is the moment that we'll really be experiencing life. You can say amen to that. Anything truly life-giving in this world, anything that this world has to offer that is at any point life-giving is just a shadow of what Jesus can give you. It's just a shadow. Jesus said, I have come that they may have. You guys can do better than that. I have come that they may have. Life. Yes, Jesus. Jesus is life, right? Everything that we need to experience life abundant is not found in anything that this world has to offer. It's found in Jesus. So this is what I want to ask tonight. I want to, I want to simply ask the question, if that's true, if Jesus really is where life is and, and he has life, then is Jesus enough for me? Like, if all of those things were to go, those experiences that I want to experience in this world, would Jesus, would I be content with just having Jesus? And I think it's safe to say that all of us in the room will answer that question with our lips. We'll say, yes, of course Jesus is enough. But our life doesn't preach the same message sometimes. Sometimes Jesus is enough in our mind, but he's not enough in our practice. And I love this quote from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. He says this. He says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. See, some will preach that Jesus is the most important thing with their lips, but their life preaches a different message. Their life preaches Jesus is moderately important for my life. So I want to ask the question tonight, is the message that your life is preaching Jesus is the most important thing in our life, because if we really believe that Christianity is the one true religion, that God is the one true God, and that Jesus really came, and he really sacrificed his life on a cross, and invites us to do the same, us to take up our cross daily, then that means everything about him is the most important thing. If Jesus is true, then he's the most important message. Now, I want to go back to this passage we opened up, and something I love about Paul is he believed with his entire heart that Jesus was the only message that he needed to preach. He, he believed that Jesus was a good enough message for anybody that he was preaching to. I want to go back to that passage we read. Look at this. Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. I'm going to skip down a little bit, and it says this. And when I came to you, brothers, did I not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom? For I decided to know nothing. Somebody say nothing. nothing. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. David Guzik says this. He says, if someone can be persuaded into the kingdom by human wisdom, then they can also be persuaded out of the kingdom by human wisdom. Somebody did not get that. I'm going to read that one more time because 
That's, that's powerful. If somebody can be persuaded into the kingdom by human wisdom, they can be persuaded out of the kingdom by human wisdom. And Paul understood that Jesus was a, a, a good enough message. And so because he believed that, his message was simplified. He was willing to strip his message down from all of the big philosophical fancy words that would try to make people be like, wow, Paul knows what he's talking about. We should trust him. He was willing to strip all of that away. He was willing to strip out all of the humor from his messages to make people feel comfortable in his messages and giggle a little bit. No, he was like, I'm willing to take all of that out and just talk about Christ crucified because I believe that God can speak through that and save people. And this is one of the stumbling blocks that I think we come up against. And it's not anybody's fault in particular. It's us as a whole in the American church, though. This is a stumbling block we find ourselves in. And I say that not from a place of judgment, but, but from a place of I've, I've experienced the fruit of this stumbling block in my life. The church today, sometimes we feel the need to spice up the message of Jesus for the world. Sometimes the church, we feel like we've got to make our environment like really fun and really exciting so that people will feel like they want to come into the church building and then maybe, hopefully, possibly, when they leave, they'll catch the message of Jesus. When we get people to focus on the atmosphere of what we're trying to create, what, we, what ends up happening is people are, are leaving and they have no idea how to encounter the God they just met when all of the lights are down, when the service is over, when people go home. We encountered God here, but we weren't taught how to encounter God when nothing else is with us. The church hasn't done the best job of teaching people that Jesus is enough, just Jesus is enough. Maybe we have said that with our words and our preaching, but sometimes our services haven't preached that kind of message that we just need Jesus. Like we don't need all of this. We, we, we could just have worship in Christ and that's it. And we would be okay. And Jesus being enough for Paul in this passage meant that he had to surrender some things in his control to believe that God was gonna speak through him. And this is what I wanna talk about tonight. Like Paul had to, he had to surrender three things um, and the things that he surrendered were not like his sin. Like now we obviously have to surrender our sin when we come to know Jesus, but Paul doesn't surrender sin or bad things. He actually surrenders good things. He surrenders lofty speech, sounding good in front of people. How many of you would agree? It's pretty good to sound professional in front of people, but Paul surrendered that in order to just preach Jesus. Paul surrendered these things and it may have looked foolish to the world, but he did and the power of God moved through him. And so in the same way, if Paul had to surrender some things to preach the, me the message that Jesus alone is enough, I think if we're going to do the same thing with our life, if we're gonna preach a message through our life that says Jesus is enough, there's gonna be th some things that we're gonna have to lay down in our control to have that message preached, not just to others, but to ourselves. And they're not bad things. They're things that are just, they're in our life and, and they take up space. And so I wanna talk about these three things as we, Get ready to wrap up. I told you I was gonna be quick, right? Hey, praise God, let's go. If you're taking notes, write this down. What we're gonna be looking at is this. We're gonna be asking the question, is my faith being placed in something that will one day dissolve and fade away? Or am I placing my faith in Christ alone who will stay the same forever, who will never change? So if you're taking notes, write this down. If Jesus is enough, then I have to lay down my need for a sign. That is good, right? 
if, if, if Jesus is enough for me, then I have to lay down my need for a sign. Let's go back to that scripture real quick. Real quick. 1 Corinthians 1, 22. Look at this. For Jews demand signs. Okay, let's analyze this for a second. I want to be completely transparent with you, New Song students. I need everybody leaning in if you're not paying attention. Lean in with me, all right? Over a lifetime of walking with Jesus, you will experience a handful of incredible signs from God. In your life, as you are walking with Jesus over a lifetime, you are going to experience moves of God, manifestations of God. You're going to experience moments in your life where it feels like heaven and earth are intersecting and you are right in the middle. God feels so real to you. He feels more real to you than the air inside of your lungs. Has anybody ever encountered a moment like that before? I know I have. Like You are going to encounter those moments. You're going to have a moment where maybe you see somebody physically healed right in front of your eyes. We've seen that here, where we see, we've seen people healed physically right in front of our eyes. Maybe you'll have a, a situation where you're in a tough financial place and you're trying to raise money for those mission trips. You know, you've been there before. You're trying to raise money for your mission trip. And it looks like, it looks like that deadline is so far away, there's no way you're going to be funded in time. But then by the grace of God, like a check shows up anonymously. It's in the, the perfect amount that you needed. God made a way. That's a, that's, a, that's a kiss from heaven, right? Like, praise God. You're going to experience those. Maybe you'll see God open doors of opportunity in your life that, he, he that no person could have opened. Maybe you'll see in your life, you'll, you'll see a moment in worship where you're in worship and like the weight of God's glory fills the room and you feel it. I feel that a lot here in New Song students, and I'm super thankful. And I can promise you that through your lifetime, you are going to experience one, two, if not all of these examples that I just listed to you. You will experience moments in your life where heaven and earth are intersecting and God feels real to you. These are all good things. They're all good signs. But here's something we gotta understand about signs. Signs come and signs go. All signs come and all signs go. Like the same people that you saw healed right in front of you, guess what? They're gonna get sick one day again. They're gonna get hurt. All of us in this room, we're gonna die one day. Like, I hate to be morbid, morbid but like, <laughs> that's the reality, right? Like no matter how many healings you experienced in this life, at one point your life is gonna end before you're resurrected again. Like, you're gonna have moments where that trip was fully funded and God came through for you, but then you're gonna have a moment in the future where you're not fully funded for something and it doesn't look like God's gonna come through for you. You're gonna have moments when you're in worship and you see everybody else in the room experiencing the weight of God's, God's glory and you feel nothing. You're gonna have these moments. My question is, is Jesus enough when you don't have the sign in front of you? Like when the sign comes and you praise Jesus, but then the sign goes and you stop praising Jesus, that's a problem. You're, you're, you're not worshiping Jesus, you're worshiping the sign he gave you. And in, and in Matthew um, chapter 17, we see this. We see this in the transfiguration of Jesus. It's really cool. Jesus, his, his face is on the, he's on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, his best friends. They get to see a side of Jesus nobody else has seen. Jesus' face is shining like the sun. Moses and Elijah just appear out of nowhere. They're like, what's up, y'all? 
and they're hanging out on the mountain. But look at what happens at the end of this encounter. Look at this, Matthew 17. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Somebody say listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them and said, rise, have no fear. Look at verse 8. This is so interesting. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus only. After the transfiguration, you know what was left? That was an amazing sign. But that sign came and went, and you know who was left? Jesus. Just Jesus. This spectacular moment ended and they were just left with Jesus. And I'm just here to ask us the question, when the spectacular moments of church end, are you content with just seeing Jesus afterwards? Like nothing else, no, no lights, no people, nothing, just, just you and Jesus. Is Jesus enough for you in those moments? We see another example of this when, um, I don't have time to, to, to go through the scripture, um, but there's a moment when, Jesus, he feeds the multitudes in John chapter six. And it says that after he feeds the multitudes, him and his disciples leave. And then all of these followers, they're, they're seeking Jesus. That's what the scripture says. It says they were seeking Jesus. Now Jesus encounters them and he can see right through their pursuit. Their outward pursuit looks good. It looks like they're seeking Jesus, but Jesus sees through it and he, he addresses it with grace and truth. But Jesus lets them know, hey, you're not seeking me. You're seeking bread. You don't want me because of me. You want me because of the physical bread that I gave you. They didn't want Jesus for himself. They wanted him as the bread giver, not him as the bread of life. And Jesus lets them know graciously, hey, I gave you the bread. I gave you the sign so you would know that I'm your bread. This physical thing that sustains you and brings you joy and comfort is supposed to be a sign that I am the one who sustains you and gives you joy and brings you comfort. Are you following me tonight, New Song students? Students, when the services end, is Jesus enough for you? Or do you struggle with your walk of faith until the next service you can get into? Is, is Jesus enough when you are constantly surrounded by your friends, or is he still enough when all of your friends who sharpen you, your good friends, when they leave and you find yourself alone, is Jesus still enough? Or do you struggle? Do you need somebody to validate your worth and to let you know that they love you to feel some type of way? Or is the word of God that validates you enough? I'm here to tell us tonight that all signs come and all signs go, but Jesus never leaves us, New Song students. And we can't put our faith in the physical signs, even though they are a gift to us. Like, praise God for all the ways he shows up in our life. But we can't elevate the sign above the sign giver. And so is Jesus enough? If we're gonna see Jesus for who he truly is, and if he's gonna really be enough for us, we have to surrender the need for signs. Amen. Um, I wanna invite the keys to come up as we get ready to close. Two more points. You guys hanging in with me tonight? Point number two, if Jesus is enough, then I have to lay down my need for understanding. I have to lay down my need for understanding. 1 Corinthians 1.22, look at this. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks, what do they seek? Anybody reading tonight? What do the Greeks seek? Man, we're struggling tonight, y'all. What do the Greeks seek? 
Wisdom, that's right. Wisdom, that's right. When Paul, when Paul preached Christ and Christ crucified, listen to me, he didn't present the gospel in some perfectly wrapped up theological box. Like he didn't deliver the message of God in some nice, perfectly fit like argument that would make people be like, oh, of course, Jesus is the most logical response for my life. Like, of course, I would be dumb if I didn't accept Jesus. Paul just preached Jesus and his cross because he believed that that was a good enough message. Now, hear me, New Song students. Please listen in. Don't leave me for a second. Please listen in. Understanding God's word is absolutely a good thing. Would we all agree? Understanding is good. And we should seek to understand God's word more. Theology is good, like studying theology and wanting to have good theology. Praise God. That's a good thing for us. Being able to explain our faith in a way that makes sense to people outside of the church, would you say that's a good thing? Of course. These are all things we talk about at New Song Students. But we've got to recognize that you can have all of those things and not know Jesus and not have friendship with him. You can have all of the answers. You can have all of the theological arguments. You can understand scripture and never spend time with Jesus. Never know him as your savior and friend. And we don't have time to go into this, this passage either, but later on in John chapter six, after the multitudes are fed, Jesus leaves and the disciples follow him, but also the, the whole multitudes, they follow him. And Jesus begins to um, preach to them a difficult message. Jesus starts to say, hey, if you wanna be my, my disciple, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he says it like 20 times. Like he's really nailing in the hammer on the head. He's like, if you wanna be my, my disciple, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. My flesh is true food for you and my blood is true drink for you. And everybody is hearing this message and they're like, Jesus, this don't make sense to me. Like, I am not, this is not fitting in my theology, theological box at all. And because some people could not surrender their understanding, you know what they did is they left Jesus because they, they didn't have the understanding they wanted. They left Jesus. And Jesus looks at the 12 disciples and he says, are you gonna leave too? Are you gonna leave like the rest of them? And I love Paul's response. Paul's posture is a posture I want us, New Song students, to pick up tonight. Paul, uh, Peter says this, he says, where else would we go, Jesus? For you have the words of eternal life. Peter and the disciples, you need to recognize they did not at this point understand what Jesus was talking about. They did not have understanding, but that wasn't gonna stop them from, from following Jesus because Jesus was enough for them. And New Song students, sometimes I see in the church world, it looks really good, but it, it is a trap that the church world falls into. People become so obsessed with right understanding and good theology that they lose relationship with Christ. They are so caught up on understanding the word and fitting it together in a box that makes sense to them that they lose the infinite God that they worship. And I'm not saying studying God's word is wrong. I'm saying we study it with the humble heart that says, God, you are infinite and your ways are higher. And I'm gonna study you for the rest of my life and I'm not gonna scratch the surface of your goodness. That's how we study the word of God. 
G.K. Chesterton says this. This is a really cool quote. Look at this. The poet only asks to get his head into the heavens. It is the logician or the, the, uh, the smart person, look at this, who seeks to get the heavens into his head, and it is his head that splits. When we try to get the realities of God to fit in our head, you gotta recognize that it's not gonna make sense to us at some point. And so in our walk with Jesus, we seek understanding, but when we don't have understanding, you know what we don't do? We don't leave Jesus. And I see people leaving Christ because of a lack of understanding. And that's not a good reason to leave Christ. Jesus is greater than your understanding of him. And so if we're gonna really believe that Jesus is enough for us, we've gotta surrender the ability that we think we have to fully understand and comprehend him. So students, I just wanna pose a question to you tonight because I think this could drastically change the way you spend time in his word. Because I remember being you, I remember being a student and reading God's word and so many times I would be in it and it didn't make any sense. Have you ever been there before? Yes, we've all been there. You're reading God's word and you're like, yeah, I don't know what just happened there. <laughs> but what if we had the posture that Peter had that would said, where else am I gonna go, Jesus? You have the words of eternal life. And here's, my, here's, here's what, I, what I say about that. Some of us, the word of God is so hard to spend our time in because we think we have to have a right understanding of it the moment that we leave. But what if you just came in the, with the heart posture of Christ, you have, you have the words of eternal life and I'm not here in, my, in your word to have perfect understanding of your word. I'm here to hear your voice. I'm here to eat from your, your, your cup and to drink from your cup because you have the words of eternal life. If we're going to believe and walk out and preach with our life a message that says Christ is enough, him and him crucified. We have to surrender the need for signs and the need for understanding. And the last thing is this, if we believe that Jesus is enough, then I have to lay down my need for works. One more passage for you, you guys hanging in with me tonight? John chapter six, this is the same passage of the multitudes and the same passage where Jesus is preaching this hard message eat my flesh and drink my blood. The people come to Jesus and they're like, how do we get this bread that never perishes? And Jesus tells them the work that we have to do as believers to receive from God. Look at what Jesus says. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you. For on him, God the father has set his seal. Then they asked him, what, was, what must we do? Some of us are here at church and that's like the question we're asking, like, God, what do you want me to do? I just wanna be good for you. I just wanna be a good Christian for you. What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe, that you believe in him who has sent. The work that Christ invites us to, the, the yoke that he puts on our shoulders when we, we become believers, the reason why it's easy is because we're not invited to a life of religious practices to earn God's favor. We're invited to an easy yoke and the work we're called to is to just keep trusting Jesus. Yes, we spend time in the word. Yes, we pray. Yes, we do all of the spiritual disciplines, but the work Jesus invites us to is to trust him every single day, to believe in him. That's the work. How are you doing with that? Do you trust him? 
Do you trust that Jesus really has the words of eternal life for you? Do you trust that Jesus really is the only one that can give you life abundantly? Or are you looking outward? Are you trying to outsource life abundantly with a bunch of other things? I'm here to tell you tonight that you can rest and you can lay all of that junk down and you can just take up Jesus alone and you would be good. For the rest of your days, you would be good. And so we're gonna do that right now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, New Song students?